I don't know if you guys are this way. When you see something play out and you realize how awkward it feels, it like it you like note it like, oh, I don't ever want to be that guy. Uh, so Michigan obviously won, and I'm living in Ohio State territory. But so I just posted, you know, like they won the game, like congratulations, whatever. And the the amount of people that felt like the need to say like, I hate Michigan <laughs> or whatever, it like or people call them cheaters and stuff. I'm like. In my mind, I just think like that just feels awkward to like try to rain on someone else's parade, you know, and I was like, I don't want to be that guy. So like it made me a sensitive like and I don't know that I would do that anyway, but I'm like, I'm never going to discourage anyone that's celebrating their team's victory. It's just like this. It's like sore loser mentality. Like, you know what I mean? Just that whole spirit of like, I'm bitter and resentful. Therefore, I'm going to make a jab and and just try to like discredit (laughs) you or your team and like try to rob the joy that you're experiencing in this moment. Which we're well, we're so two days out on it now, right? Right. Yeah. It's been two days. I heard two guys in the grocery store this morning talking about how we just need to get past it because I'm tired of hearing about Michigan. Like I'm like, <laughs> how can how can you have that mentality? How can it affect you like that much? That- you know, I, I'll tell you how that happens in Ohio. It's because of such dominance for such a long time. They yeah. got so used to it, you know. For us, that this is like such a reprise for us Michigan fans. We're like, <laughs> this is a glorious day. Let's keep talking about it. But all right, well. Everyone, thank you for joining us in our podcast. Uh, this is we, we call it the branch, and this podcast is about. Uh, so we have Pastor Anthony and Pastor Chris and myself, Matthew. We sit down and we talk about different topics, oftentimes theologically based. And in our heart is that we can talk the theology side of it, but but more so even the application and practical side of it. And so thank you for joining us. And again, if you don't know, everyone, uh, Chris is our associate pastor here at the Tree Church. Also, is over biblical education. Pastor Anthony is our campus pastor for this year. Uh, when we launch our first campus, he's going to oversee that ministry, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Tree Church. Um, so here's what I want to talk about today. Uh, this morning, in my own devotions, I was going over the story of David, and David's story is a fascinating story in that he was anointed the next king of Israel while Saul was still in power, and David was a young boy from all accounts. He had older brothers. Uh, when Samuel came in to anoint him, he just knew it was from this family, from the sons of Jesse. He goes through all of the sons, and he's like, do you not have another son? And they're like, oh, there's the boy. I mean, that's like how the dad refers <laughs> yeah, to him, like yeah. the boy out uh, watching the sheep. So we know David was very young. He's anointed uh, the next king of Israel, but the, the fulfillment of that doesn't happen for another 15 years. And so this morning in my devotions, it, it just recounted that. It said, at this age, David became king even another seven years, and then he became the full mm-hmm. king of Israel. So he was a king over a section. And this is what just stirred in my mind is um, God at times calls for us to wait. And I don't know how you guys are wired. The waiting is oftentimes very, very difficult for mm-hmm. me. So you have stories like David. I think if my memory, this don't no one quote me on this, but I think it was 15 years from the time that he was anointed to where it was fulfilled um, you know the story of Abraham that God calls him and, and tells him a nation's going to come from you, and him and his wife didn't have any children. It was 25 years mm-hmm. before they get their son, which is crazy to think about. I mean, mm-hmm. a quarter really century, yeah. uh, and, and we could many other stories. I mean, you have individuals in the Bible like Zechariah and Elizabeth who did not have children, and then God does a miracle, and they have John the Baptist, but they're old in age at that mm-hmm. time. Okay, Here, here's my question. We, we oftentimes as a church... We acknowledge the mysterious ways of God, but even specifically about waiting, waiting to me, this is my opinion, but it is uniquely difficult uh, because 
there are some background things that we know. We know God has the power to change our situation. Mm-hmm. Um, even specifically, I think when we sense that God is promising us things, but we're not seeing the fulfillment of those promises. So we're like, there's the tension that I feel at times is I know you have the power and you've promised this, and yet I'm waiting. It, it can feel overwhelming, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest at times. So here's my question. Why does God make us wait? I mean, I think the, the honest, humble answer to that is I don't 100% know the answer. In fact, right. in, in, this, in the sense of I think every situation is a little bit different. Yeah. I have certain ideas about what I think maybe God is doing in that. I mean, I think there's a, there's a deepening of trust that happens in those moments. Um, part of it, I wonder if, you know, if God were to answer our prayers or to confirm, you know, maybe something he's called us to do or, or has promised, we feel like he's promised to do in and through our lives, that if he were to do it right away, as soon as we want it to happen, that the entire dynamic of our relationship with God would be more transactional. So I think yeah. there, there is this sense in which part of that is even is even a cultural bias. And we talk about this a lot. But you look at our culture, you know, I, I always say it's it is a fast food culture. I mean, even mm, thinking right. about streaming platforms now where you can literally watch an entire series at the click of a button, right. any movie that you want, like that entire mindset has now crept into the way that we view all of life in that we can have whatever we want as soon as we want it. Mm-hmm. And so it feels very foreign to us in some ways that um, we don't have that ability when when God calls us to do something, when he promises to do something in our lives, we automatically assume we have that cultural bias of, well, it should happen. Right. Um, the other part of it, I, I think, too, is the painfulness that comes with it is it feels oftentimes that the waiting is meaningless. Like in our perspective, it it almost seems like I just don't understand how there can be any possible benefit to why God is delaying in in not doing this thing, right? Like it it doesn't seem to compute in our minds. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there is, whether we want to acknowledge that or not, there's a little bit of an arrogance there where we think we do know better that it should happen at this time rather than understand, well, well, God is seeing things from so many different angles, so many different dimensions, and there, there's a high likelihood he's trying to cultivate something in us mm-hmm. in this season of preparation, if you will. Well, you yeah. think that like we've rewired kind of the way that we think because this is the the culture that we live in. Um, I think I was I was doing some research yesterday and I came across this like this quote: um, "The medium is the message." Um, this guy Marshall McLuhan, he's a scholar in Canada, and he was writing on like um, how how TV affects the way that we understand and perceive. I, like he wrote in the like, 50s and 60s. Um, and so like he, he talks about how technology is going to change the way we interact. The way. I wonder if our culture doesn't, isn't impacting like that, that constant. Sure. Everything comes now. Everything is immediate. If that doesn't just even change how we, do we have the potential? Can we, can we intellectually stop and go, I am, I am going to wait in that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you were to jump back 100 years, a, a culture of waiting would have, would have been dramatically different in the sense of like much more drawn out. So like even sure. if you wanted before cars were made, if you're going to travel, it's going to take days. Right. News yeah. took months. There was a movie, a, a Tom Hanks movie uh, where he, his character 
it's like in the Western times, his whole job was he traveled from town to town to read the newspaper to them. Mm -hmm. So like people were getting their news whenever someone like that showed up. So it could be weeks, months after it happened. Yeah. And now we have at the the push of a, a button in front of us right. more information. We can consume more information in one day than people did in their entire lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like you talked about the fast food culture and we have like microwave culture. Mm -hmm. Have you ever stood in front of a microwave? It for like a minute, minute and a half, and be impatient. Yeah, like I have. I'm like, so I'm hungry, like, man. Yeah, I just want this like, to be done. A minute What's and a half rice on? takes way too long. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Like, like we're annoyed by it. So even now we have like pressure cookers. Like we keep figuring out a way to cook. Yes. Like big things faster and faster and yeah. faster. Yeah. So yeah, I think it, it does. A lot of that does shape, and so we then put those standards on God of like mm -hmm. we we expect the immediate now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think you know when we talk about God's ways. I do think we have to fall back on the truth of it that he is, like you said, he's cultivating something inside of us. I, mm -hmm. I think the waiting oftentimes is, is a part of this God's beautiful plan for our lives. Mm -hmm. The waiting is actually a part of the payoff in the sense that he knows he's transforming us. Cause mm -hmm. I think about David, even in his story, um, David is, he's anointed King as a boy, but then after that he becomes a warrior in that he fights Goliath. We, we were talking about this, uh, this week. The Spirit of God comes upon David. He kills a lion. He kills a bear. He later on acknowledges. He goes, this, the same power that came upon me to do that. Like, he knew that wasn't normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that yeah. was, there was something uniquely strange about that, that the Spirit of God compelled me to kill a lion and bear. But it was to give him, I think, the confidence to be a warrior. Takes on Goliath, becomes a general and all that. But then even, like, when you look at the season of David where Saul tries to kill him, and David goes into the wilderness for those years. It's really fascinating to me because it says, like, basically the rejects of all culture surround David. So all these people that, for whatever reason, have been despised by their cultures in the sense of, like, probably unethical men, violent mm -hmm. men, criminals, they're all out in the wilderness too. David turns them into a very successful army. And you have to imagine during that season, he was learning how to lead men. Mm -hmm. He was learning how to fight. He's learning how to be a leader that he would take over, uh, take into being a king one day. Um, he even learned compassion. You know, when he's about to go and kill Abigail's husband, I think it's Abigail, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Abigail's husband. And she's like... Na neighbor, I think. Yeah. yeah, yep. yeah who's like this moron of morons, right? <laughs> yeah, but she comes and she, she speaks to David and says, like, if you do this, you'll violate your reputation and you'll never live it down. And he responds and is like, you're absolutely right. And like, he blesses her for that. So anyways, all that said, like, I do think we have to take a step back in time and realize there is a purpose in the waiting. Yeah, I, I think learning faithfulness is a big one. I mean, you just hit on that, like this idea of in that waiting period, not only are you learning to trust God, you're learning to be faithful in yeah. that season of waiting. And so what does it look like when your situations are not ideal? What does it look like when you're not yet at the finish line um, are you going to continue to pursue God? Are you going to continue to be obedient? Yeah. And even part of that where where like God's plan is re revealed in a progression in the sense of like you think about the example of David's life, had he not done those things like those were, as we always say, like faith building moments for mm -hmm. him almost to get him to that place, because the truth is he wasn't ready when he was anointed right. king. Yeah. He wasn't That's at a... the place there. And yet God uses this next 15 years of his life, whether he consciously realized it or not. I don't know. But God was using all of those little moments to form something in him to get him to that place to be the king that God had anointed him to be 15 years prior. Mm -hmm. So there is an element of that where it's almost like not so much why hasn't this happened yet, but rather, God, what do you want me to do in this season of great, waiting? Great point.
Well, yeah. and I would say, like, it just goes to show that God's main priority and main purpose is shaping people, yes. not yeah. accomplishing things. Yeah, because, well, good. you know really what I mean? Good. Like, you think about, like, if God gives us a purpose, isn't it, like, isn't it natural to us to go, we got to accomplish that as fast as possible, mm-hmm. as quickly as possible, in the easiest way as possible? Where God is does not operate with expediency. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not, he's not just about the utility of, like, people. So he's... Um, David could have killed... Saul and taking his kingship that God had already promised him, mm-hmm. and and what David shows through, or what God shows through David's story is that God was far more interested in in David's obedience to God than he was about making him king. Yeah. And so, like in that process, was David learning my relationship with God and who God is shaping me to be yeah. is way more important than accomplishing the things that I feel like God is talking about. I mean, that's where like this past to go political, this past political season where the conversation goes to the means justify the ends, that's is heartbreaking to me because that that's not the heart. Right. <laughs> that's not the heart of God. You know what I mean? The, the means and the ends are God's purpose and plan. Mm-hmm. It's good. And so it's yeah. all involved. And so are we able to be faithful? Are we able to be developed into the people of God um, in the waiting and not just accomplish the things of God? Yeah, both of you guys, so good. Um, can you imagine... If God operated on our timing, how disastrous it would oh. be. You know, like, I think you said, like, of David. What if David at 15 years old becomes king? Here you go, buddy. Yeah, right. Taking I mean, over the kingdom. Yeah, lead, lead men and, and go to war. And he's never, I mean, at that point, he's in his father's home. He's a shepherd, so his dad's still telling him what to do. And to, the transition at that time. But I think about even in our own lives, it, it's, we can look at David's story and go, oh, man, that would just be crazy. <laughs> but yet we would do the same thing in our own lives and go, mm-hmm. God, I want this and I want this now. All right, so let me kind of pivot a little bit. So theologically, you know, what we're saying obviously is is accurate, it's true. Let, let's just talk practically in our own lives. Mm-hmm. H- have either of you ever had to face a season where you had to wait, where you didn't know, God, what are you doing? Yeah, um, it wasn't 15 years, but I mean, <laughs> um, getting getting hired on here was a season of waiting for me. And, yeah. and so I took the internship and then... Um, and give a little bit more context okay, for that. So, I know the story, but go back, give them years. How many years ago was that? So 2000, in, I was working for Juvenile Court in 2008, but I'd been coming to the tree for since 2006. Um, and I'd volunteered with you in youth ministry and, and really connected with you, connected with the ministry, really loved it. But I took a position that took me out of that. And um, I really just wasn't sure quite what God's calling was, but I knew I wanted to work with the youth and I enjoyed that portion of the job that I'd taken. Um, but it was during that season, I, I just really came to this place where like, I was just super discontent with that job. It, it was nights and weekends and just took me out of the things that I love, connecting with my family, connecting with the church and whatnot. And God used that time to really stir my heart to to want to pursue ministry and figure out what that, what that meant. So I think I approached you, asked if I could um, do an internship, and, and you were like, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll bring you in. You can intern a couple days a week. What, but that, what that was going to require was... Cassie to go back to work full time. We had just had Hannah. Hannah was about six months old when this all happened. Um, so Han- Cassie was going to have to go back to work full time. I was going to work um, two days at the church, and then I was going to stay at home with the kids the rest of the days. Mm-hmm. So um, quit my job, started the internship. About three or four months in, my old employer started calling me, and Cassie was Cassie was super patient. She was never impatient with the process. But she was like, hey, I would like to be done working full time here someday. And so um, 
old jobs calling me and I came to you and I'm like, Hey, I don't know. Nothing is progressing in my mind of how this is playing out. I don't know what you think or what you see from, from this process. Um, and you were like, I need you just to wait. Mm -hmm. I, I need you to hang on. I need you to just kind of, I have something in my mind. It's not coming together yet. Can you wait? I was like, okay. And so we did the same thing. I think we did it. We had the same conversation. I think it was about nine months into the internship. You're like, and, and at that point I had applied for a job with the tree or with the church and, um, we didn't go that direction. Right. And so it was that point I was like, Oh, maybe this isn't a thing that God's doing. And so I was like, my, my old employer was calling me back again. They were offering me another job. And again, we sat down and you're like, just hold on. I'm almost there. And, and so like, it was this process of, I know what God, I felt like what God was calling me to do. Uh, I felt like God was, was calling me to ministry. Um, I still was confused about what it looked like and it wasn't quite sure what, what was happening. And, and here all these other opportunities started showing up. And yet I, I, I trusted you and I trusted your, your kind of your insight into it. And so, um, I just waited and then uh, it was almost a year to the day I got hired full time, mm -hmm. um, yeah. on the Lancaster community church at the time. So, yeah. So what, let me ask you, what, what do you think during that? What, what were some things that you learned during that or, or even learned from waiting and seeing God's faithfulness? Um, that he is faithful, even when it, when things look like they're going the opposite direction or when these other opportunities kind of come, like the, the biggest part for me was like, will God show up when everything else looks like it's not going to happen? Um, so when the old job is calling me back, it, it would have been easy to go back to that because mm -hmm. Cassie was ready to, to be off work. And, and, and yet through that process, God taught us that even when things look like they're shifting away from the promises that he has, if we'll trust the promise, it turns out for the better. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope I answered your yeah, question. for sure. Yeah, for me, uh, one one that I've shared was, so the last church that I pastored at, it was actually prior to that season. Um, it, it was a season, to use old terminology that I've said before, just of, of holy discontentment, right? Like there was a there had been a stirring in me and um, had been in ministry for a few years at the point, but it, it felt a little bit almost like a David moment in the sense that I, I felt like I was being called to something greater, and yet when I was looking at my reality of where I was and what I was doing, it felt like, man, it felt like I was wasting my time, right? right? It felt like I just was squandering the gifts and the passion that God had put inside of me. And so that, that was hard. Like it was a hard place mm -hmm. to be in where I felt like up until that point, you know, I'm trying to be obedient, trying to, to follow the Lord. And so, um, which kind of, it broke way into a season of really prayer and seeking God this is when Makaira and I, like, I think this was maybe our first year married. And so uh, there was a lot of things happening, a lot of new things going on, but we both just had that, that sense in which, okay, God is maybe going to lead us somewhere else. But there also was hesitancy in that for me, where it was like, maybe, maybe I'm being arrogant. There, there was actually an awareness of maybe I am being premature in this as much as I hate that thought. Uh, maybe there's something wrong with my heart. Maybe I'm being arrogant. Maybe I'm being impatient. And so that led me really into a process of prayer and reflection where my prayer wasn't God make something, you know, happen as mm -hmm. much as it was, God, what are you trying to do? If I'm the problem, change my heart. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, if I need to, if I need to be here and this is where you want me to be and I'm just being arrogant and I'm being impatient, change my heart, help me to see how you're seeing things and where you're, how you're setting me up. 
Um, if something needs to change in the situation, God, let that change. Or if you are leading us to go somewhere else, if you're calling us to be somewhere else, make that abundantly clear. And so we, we really prayed consistently about that for, I think it was close to probably six months. During that time, you know, I sought out some, some wise counsel, people that were more spiritually mature and more wise than myself, just to really kind of be a sounding board to say, hey, am I thinking about this wrong? Am I, right. am I in a good headspace here thinking about this? And so uh, eventually it led us to the place where we felt like we were supposed to s- step down or I was supposed to step off of staff. And that was a scary moment because the truth was I had exactly zero clarity on what was next. Mm-hmm. And so um, I ended up you know, resigning from, from that first church that I was at. And God supernaturally provided in that moment in that I, I've shared this story before. I got a call from a guy hadn't seen him for probably 10 or 11 months. He was an old friend of mine. And uh, he started to tell me about this church that was actually in the community that I originally like went to high school in that same mm-hmm. community. And so it was this crazy, you know, God story of his provision and opening a door supernaturally. But the truth was in that six months of, of praying and wrestling, and even when I got to the clarity of that decision, feeling like, okay, this is what God is leading us to do. There was a ton of frustration because for me, I expected that there would be a clear next step. Mm-hmm. And so now as I look back years later, I realized that the next step actually didn't come until I was obedient mm-hmm. to what God was actually telling me to do in that moment. And for me, it was to step down after I had to wrestle with, hey, is this a me problem? Is God actually doing something? Is he leading us somewhere? Once I, I arrived at that conclusion after months of praying that God is leading us away, I had to take that step before I actually saw what was next. And I just remembered, uh, I think I've shared this before, but at the time I was reading, I think it was a testimony or the story of uh, George Mueller and how like prayer and faith was such a huge part of his story and how like God did these crazy supernatural things. And I remember reading about his story thinking like, why is that not happening for me? You know, like I believe God is the same. God can still do those miracles. God can supernaturally provide. And then he did, but it didn't happen until after I took that step of faith. And so for me, the, the big uh, part of that was, number one, trying to be faithful, not only in seeking God in that, in drawing close to God, but also being faithful with what I was still doing, even though it wasn't an ideal situation, not at all realizing that it was a preparation for the future. And then even when I got into that next role, I quickly realized even that was still a part of my preparation. And so I think there's another there's another element of that where God is always preparing us for what's next. Right. And I think one of the illusions is that we think the next thing or whatever God is calling us to do is the final thing. But in reality, as you were pointing out earlier, really the point is the process. God is yeah. shaping yeah. us and changing us through this entire process of waiting as he calls us to do the next thing, as he calls us to the next step of obedience. I just realized... You're called to be faithful. You're called to press in to seek Him, and in God's timing, it, it will happen. But just realize that He is preparing you in that season. Well, and I don't think don't blow like I don't don't blow past the idea of that taking that step of faith. We were talking earlier about all these men that God would use, and and men and women that God would use throughout the stories of Scripture. We're talking about how kind of bold and brash and even violent some of them were. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wonder if it really isn't this idea of people who are willing to, to kind of stick their necks out and truly trust God mm-hmm. are, are the people who find faithfulness and God yeah. can use. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. that willingness, it. but it takes risk. Yeah. I, I remember that with the other story that I will always think about is when we were building the house, and I almost didn't go after it because it it looked like it was falling apart. And mm-hmm. so, like, 
I had met up against some opposition as far as the process of, of getting approved to build the house. And I was just like, okay, that it's not what God wanted. And so um, when things were going well, this is what God wanted. When things were difficult and, and it became a thing where God was telling me to stick my neck out and kind of work at the process, mm -hmm. take the step of faith. Um, that's the part where I'd balk and just kind of back off. And yet it's that it was those steps of faith that allowed mm. the process to continue on. And, and like, so it's almost those, those steps of faith that foster that, mm -hmm. foster that growth. And it yeah, fosters yeah. the opportunity for God to continue to build and transform and grow yeah. and use us in, in, in our, in our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So in your story, you talked about your first season of ministry and the waiting. So even holy discontent, waiting, mm -hmm. taking that step of faith, and then God showed you. That, to me, very much, just looking at your story, then repeated. It did. <laughs> and, and I never expected it to either. You never expected it to. No. Where you had, um, and holy discontent might not be the right term, but as much as yeah. you, you just started to sense it was time to move on. So it wasn't mm -hmm. discontent that led to that, but it was yeah. time to move on. But you you took a step into the unknown, mm -hmm. very much unknown. I mean, again, we've, we've talked about this a lot, but like right. shockingly unknown. Sure, where sure. Like, the, like, you are a very intelligent person, but by all standards, that was an unintelligent decision. Yeah, on paper, if God absolutely doesn't it lead was. it uh, to leave a successful church, to go to a community you don't know. But how much did that first season give you confidence into that second season? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's that is one of the highlights of my faith journey. That mm -hmm. that moment of God's provision, and even the wrestling leading up to it, what God did to teach me something about Himself and teach yeah. me something about myself in that first season of ministry and, and waiting. Um, but it absolutely, I mean, it it allowed me to look back and say, God supernaturally and miraculously showed up when on paper I had no next steps at the point in time I wasn't even. I wasn't like sending out job applications. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, man, mm -hmm. I hope something sticks. Mm -hmm. It was literally, I have no idea what is coming next. Mm -hmm. And so for God to supernaturally show up that way, to me, it told me a couple things. Number one, the first was I have to be faithful in my seeking of God and be faithful where God has placed me now, as I mm -hmm. said before. Mm -hmm. That to me was a huge one because I just don't believe God will honor you outside of that. Mm -hmm. um, when you're seeking to honor him where you are, even when things are not ideal, when you're seeking to honor him in that you are submitting and surrendering. I've always called prayer as humble dependence. It's this posture where you say, God, I literally can't do this apart from you. I need you to give me wisdom. I need mm -hmm. you to show me what's next. I need you to provide for me. I believe God throughout scripture always honors people who humble themselves before him mm -hmm. and elevate him and, and humble themselves. And so for me, those were like some of those ingredients where that I carried into that next season. So after almost six years at River Tree, you know, again, you, you brought up, we've kind of shared this story. Really, I was in a good place. I had gotten through the, the first couple of years of difficulty where at 25, when I took over, you know, you're learning the ropes. Right. I realized God early on, even in that, as I said, this was an additional season of preparation. Early on, I remember being so um, just overwhelmed at the amount of stuff that I had not realized I didn't know how to do. Yeah. And so there was this, this, you know, burden of like, well, now I'm the pastor. I have to know how to do these things. And I remember early on praying and God really speaking to me, not audibly, but really impressing this in my heart, that this was a season as much for me, like what God was going to do in me as much as he was going to do through me. Mm -hmm. And so that mm -hmm. that transformed it where it didn't feel like I had to be a know-it-all and have everything figured out, but say, okay, God, you're going to be teaching me in this season. You're going to be leading me. You're going to be changing me. And so all of that was a part of that process leading to that additional then step of faith before coming here. 
And just being able to look back at all that and say, this was all for a purpose. Like God mm-hmm. used all of this. Nothing was wasted in this. Mm-hmm. And I could look back with confidence. Nobody could ever rob me of that story and say, well, that was just a coincidence. Nobody would ever be able to convince me of that. So being able to look back at that to say, there is no other option other than God is going to provide. Like right. that just <laughs> yeah. sounds stupid, but it's just a simple faith in like, we're yeah. here. Like we moved here. We prayed about it. It seems like God is leading us here. We were in, my wife and I were in agreement um, I, at the time, again, I didn't know if I was going to end up as a pastor again at a church. Um, it wasn't like we came here because I thought, oh, like they got a job opening right. on the contrary. I've shared the story. I looked on the, the staff page and I was like, they absolutely don't need another person. <laughs> so it was the exact opposite. So yeah. all of that was in my mind. I was like, I have no idea how God is going to provide, uh, with me, you know, me in my calling and job, no idea. I just know he's going to do it somehow. And so it was a, a simple, stupid faith, but God you know, mm-hmm. showed himself in that. It's awesome. Then you came on staff and how's the waiting going? <laughs> Cause <laughs> you, you know, came on staff to be at yeah. campus and we're still yeah. figuring out the details. You know, I, I think even this has been super purposeful because it's allowed me to connect deeply with you all and the rest of the right. staff and even the people here. Um, and even just, just, you know, put my feet on solid ground again after yeah. a season of, you know, traveling and being jobless. And even, you know, I've shared with you guys and for anyone else who's listening, uh, really a season of clarifying my calling. You know, I, I came yeah. out of a place where I was a little bit tired. There was nothing negative, nothing right. bad. As you said, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't even have characterized it as a, a season of discontentment. It was just a season where God was stirring me to, to move to something new. But there was a, there was a, some doubt and wrestling in there. Is, is God still calling me into ministry? Is this, right. is this where he wants me to be? And so even that season of waiting was clarifying that calling again. Yeah. And so then bringing me here and, and just being able to contribute to these types of conversations to build relationships. Um, I mean, it's been good. Like it has not felt like I have not felt pressured like, Hey, we need to, there is a, of course, an eagerness and excitement for right. what's next, but I'm learning throughout the last, you know, 10, 12, 14 years of my life that this is very much a part of God's process um, for whatever he has next for you. That's really good. That's awesome. Uh, so, Chris, you built a house, and that, that process was hard, and then you did it, and you love it, right? Yeah, I mean, You love the absolutely. house and stuff. Uh, same, same kind of question to you. What, what are the things that God taught you then through that? What are the things? Because you have, on one hand, you have uh, the waiting for the job. That's a very spiritual thing. A house might look like more practical, sure. but yet it became a very spiritual thing of mm-hmm. God's provision. Um, and those that don't know, when we say you built a house, we literally mean that. Like you physically, <laughs> you had help, right? I, yeah, I had a lot of help. But, so. I mean, but you physically put your hands to it. I mean, you, you right. were building it. You built your home you live in. Uh, it's a beautiful home. But what 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 was like, how I would say it this way is like, how are those things still impacting now how you live in relation to God and life and ministry? Sure. Um, waiting is not idle is, is one thing that I've learned. Anthony, you said it like being faithful where you are. Um, I've had to learn that like when you're building a house, you have a vision for what the end looks like Mm -hmm. the entire time you start with the vision of the end. And, and yet when you're standing in an empty field (laughs) and you think about every single step that's got to take place between now and that, that day, um, it can be daunting and it can be like almost debilitating of like, how in the world is this all going to come together? And so learning how to trust God in the step by step and in allowing him to both empower you to do the things that you need to do, but also to give you contentment in the, in the process, because Mm -hmm. I don't think we live our lives in, in anticipation of God's promises 
frustrated that God hasn't fulfilled them yet. Mm-hmm. And God gives us those moments of like satisfaction and contentment. Um, every time I glue two pieces of pipe together, I'm like one step closer. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, it's it, so like just seeing the small steps over time, yeah. kind of God build through that. But then also seeing God show me that I wasn't in it alone. I, it, mm. I, you you kind of joked and said like that I physically built... I had a lot of a lot of friends come alongside and catch on to the vision that God had given me and go, oh, I want to help with that, mm-hmm. and I want to be part of that. And so learning how to wait alongside of other people and, and allow others to help you, but also to, to just allow God to see that move in their lives, uh, see, see that work, work in their lives as well was super, super beneficial. So I, I remember when you got done with your house, there were some on staff that were like, we should all do this. Like each guy could build his own house. And I was like, no, <laughs> I just <laughs> witnessed what Chris terrible. went through. Yeah, no, like, I'm so glad how it turned out. That was a lot of work, but yeah. 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 I know for me, I don't know that I've ever publicly talked about this. Um, so you'll know this story behind the scene, but um, when I was on staff uh, at LCC, I was the youth pastor. There was a season that it was, it was so unhealthy and so toxic that literally every single staff member was looking for another job and myself included. And, and I remember at that time, it was just, it was so frustrating. Um, and, and I just the discontent from that because of the unhealthy things. And I was like, basically I just convinced myself, there's no way this is God's plan for me long term, mm-hmm. and started looking at other options. And I was convinced God was going to have me play in a church in, in Columbus and because I, I had enough character to know, like, I wasn't going to pl- plan a church in town like that, that to me felt uh, not good. Um, so I was going to do Columbus. And then on top of that, I had uh, a denomination approach me and said, we want to we pick like a city a year. Mm-hmm. Columbus is our city. We want you to be the person. We're going to give you tens of thousands of dollars support, all this stuff. And so I mean, in my mind, it was like like the heavens just opened, you know, like <laughs> this is God's plan. And I remember praying about it and just clearly feeling God say no. And, and I actually think that made it worse for me because if I had no <laughs> options, like it's a little bit easier to yeah, swallow because yeah, like, yeah. I don't have any other options, but I had an option that seemed like, okay, this is a fulfillment of what I desire to do. And God said, no. And I remember being so confused by that, mm. frustrated by that. But then from that season, I became the executive pastor at the church and through those years learned how to really lead a staff how to figure out, it wasn't my vision at the time, it was another vision, but how to take that vision and create strategies to, to, to attain it, to work with people, even through, honestly, going through a season of working in an environment that was unhealthy, showed me what not to do, mm-hmm. um, really started to shape, like, how did I feel when a leader did this? How mm-hmm. did I feel when they said this or acted this way? It, so that I could correct those behaviors in my own life because I didn't want staff to feel the way that I felt. And in those three years really learning how to lead well and at the same time growing in other areas of teaching and stuff mm-hmm. I was still doing like youth ministry and preaching on Sundays. And then when it transitioned and, and I became lead pastor, I felt so much more prepared. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I'm, I mean, I really have been my dream job. Like I, I love this as much as I've ever loved anything in my life. I just That's can't awesome. imagine doing anything else. And again, now there's total clarity, right? Yeah. <laughs> but in that season of really about, it was probably about a four year season, four to five years where I just thought, God, I don't get why you won't release me. I mean, that was actually my prayer numerous times of like, <laughs> why won't you just release me from here? And, and my wife was the same way. We're like, we're praying. We're both just feeling, no, this is still where God has us. And I want to be clear. I still found enjoyment 
while sure. I was here. It wasn't yeah. like all things were bad, mm-hmm. but it was just like it could be better. Yeah. And now I look back and I go, man, I, I now I'm living out God's plan and God's plan was better than mine. Mm. Could I have planted a church in Columbus? Sure. But I don't know how that would have turned out. I know how this has turned out and mm-hmm. I, I love it. So uh, it's been awesome. Wait. Okay. Last thing I want to kind of just talk about then, and, and I love you guys' stories. A person who's listening right now that's in a season of waiting, what, what advice would you give them? So you guys have said some really good things, but like, let's try to like maybe uh, summarize some of those things of how, how do you learn during it? What's a mindset to have? What are some practical things you can do? Because if you're in a season of waiting, I, I think I'm making some hypothetical ones up, but I know the ones that we've had submitted at times, the people who uh, are in unhealthy marriages and they're mm-hmm. waiting for that to get healthy, if it ever will. You know, there are people who have uh, lost ch- uh, children, this is prodigal children, children who have who have left the faith and they're praying for them. There are people that are in jobs that are mm-hmm. just not fulfilling. People in seasons of health that it's health is on the decline. There are health issues. Um, fill in the blank, right? Like people battling things, uh, mental health issues. If someone's listening and they're like, okay, I, I'm in a season of waiting. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. What's some practical advice that you could give them on how to think and behaviors they could do to help navigate this so that they can experience what God has for them? Yeah, I mean, I would say don't waste the waiting, right? In the sense of uh, to to kind of hit on what you said, where it's it's not idle. And I think oftentimes it's easy to think that way, right? When we're waiting, we're not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. The real thing's going to happen sure. when God brings right. us to that place. Right. Um, but number one, that's not how life works. And I, I don't think that's how God ultimately right. his plan for us in that waiting season is, again, if you have the mindset, God is doing something in the here and now, not yeah. just in the future when this thing happens, he's doing something in the here and now. And so I think number one, having that that posture and perspective mm-hmm. to say this season right now is actually super important. Um, don't let that be wasted. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say the way to not waste it is some of the things that we've talked about is, okay, number one, what, is, what does faithfulness look like in this season? Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you just gave a great example of, you know, you were in a position where maybe initially you didn't have some of the power and authority to maybe make changes that you would have wanted right. to make. But what would it look like for you as a staff member in that mm-hmm. situation? How do you carry yourself? How do you interact right. with mm-hmm. those above you? How do you interact with those below you, those that you're leading? So I think that can be applied to any situation that any person ever finds themselves in is what does it look like for you to honor God and honor? I think of like Romans 12, where Paul talks about how, you know, honor, uh, do things that are honorable in the sight of all. Like this Mm -hmm. idea of how can I not only please the Lord and be obedient to him, even in the normal mundane things, everyday life and Mm -hmm. and character and the way that I carry myself. But what does it then look like to honor the people around me? And and so, yeah, the person who's in a, a terrible marriage, maybe their spouse is not being super receptive. Maybe they don't seem to be open. Well, what does it look like to be a godly husband? What does it look like to be a godly mm-hmm. wife in that season in the here and now? Maybe it's a, a parenting situation where you have a rebellious teenager. What does it look like to be a, a dad or a mom who exhibits godly love and wisdom? Yeah. Um, so we have to be able to distinguish. There are lots of things that we cannot control. Yeah. What are the things that we can control? Mm-hmm. And what is God then calling us to do in the here and now? And then I would say as I alluded to earlier, like just realize that God is not in this for some sort of transaction. There's that relational component where in those times of doubt, in those times of frustration, in those times of anger, in those times where we feel grieved and overwhelmed, continue, number one, as we've said many times, it's okay to feel those things, right? Um, God is okay with us feeling those things. Mm -hmm. The question is, what do we do with them? 
don't allow those things to propel you away from God, to distrust, but rather propel you towards God, mm -hmm. to run to Him, to bring those doubts, to bring those fears, to bring all the uncertainties to Him, because again, something is going to happen in that where we're going to get to a deeper level of intimacy and faith with Him in that season. Yeah, one of the things that, as you were just saying, in my mind that we have to also shift our thinking is in the season of waiting, God's not wanting us to grow in independence of Him. Absolutely. So it's right. not where the waiting's not so that we get stronger, so we can become more self sufficient and yeah. need God less. Yes. It's just the opposite. God wants us to grow in dependence of Him, faith in Him, right. trust in Him. So we're yep. going to Him consistently in prayer. And I, I love what you said, being open and honest in our emotions. I mean, that's one thing I stress all the time with people is if you're feeling it, God already knows it. So like <laughs> you're like trying to like not acknowledge it is not honoring anyone. Yeah. And God's God has thick skin. I mean, that's a weird <laughs> yeah. way to word it, right? He can handle it. He yeah. can handle it. Like, yeah. in the sense that he wants us to go in the rawness of what we're feeling to talk to him about it. Obviously, I, I would encourage you to be respectful in the process. Yeah, sure. but, you can, but it's not disrespectful to say to God, I'm frustrated. These yeah. are my emotions. I'm confused. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. And I think it's when my experience is I always say the phrase, like, God meets us in our prayer. Mm -hmm. God has met me in the rawness and at the level that that rawness mm -hmm. is, where I say to him, God, I'm really frustrated in this. Mm -hmm. That's where I need you to meet me. If I'm sugarcoating it, I'm saying, God, meet me in the sugarcoated level, because I'm not really acknowledging my true emotions. But when I go to God and I'm real, I'm saying, this is where I need you to meet me. And that's where I've experienced, whether it be through His Spirit giving peace yeah. and or insight into that situation Absolutely. through the, the experiences of my life. I was just going to say, because that's all that's so good, but thinking through it and, and, and experiencing those emotions and going through the day-to-day -day side of things, doing that with other people. That's Find good. somebody who can, ca can, can catch on to the vision of the promise that you feel like God has yeah, for you and, and will walk alongside of you in the waiting mm -hmm. or will wait with you for, for better terms. Um, to be able to take those, those mo frustrating moments to God and to someone who you know understands the promise, understands the ways of God, and to to process that with them is, is super beneficial in helping quiet and content your heart yeah. in the waiting. Um, and and I think about those like in a, in a marriage situation, it's not going to your friends and complaining right. and getting somebody to feel bad for you and yeah. kind of co commiserate with with your pain and make it worse for you. No, it's, I, I think it's key what you're saying right now, Chris, because I think people in the waiting, they because of all the things that we've said, like the waiting is a part of the process, but some people can have a mindset that when they finally get and arrived at that place, that will be the place of celebration and honoring God. Right. Mm -hmm. But what they do is they torment themselves by in the waiting, they, they complain and they, right. and they gripe, and then they find a person, a, a friend, who's going to encourage them in that griping to go like, yeah, oh, that's so unfair. Like life's so unfair. Yeah. And, and they miss it. They actually right. miss. And I would even say prolong mm -hmm. the season of what, what God's trying to teach you. Because if, if God's trying to teach you something and you're not learning it, yeah. he doesn't give up on you. Right. So it's like, a. I mean, I know this as a parent, if I tell my kid to go clean the room and they, they don't do it, I'm not like, oh, well, we'll try something else. I'm like, let's circle back around. You're going to clean your room, right? Like, yeah. And that's God and his love is like, let's circle back around. And so we, we want to cooperate in that process to get out of that, that season, right? Yeah, 100%. And then having those people that, that, that can keep putting you back on track when you want to mm -hmm. step off. So, yeah, it's great. Because there are, there are moments when you want to step off the, the process. And yeah. Mm -hmm when you want to like Sarah laugh and go, that'll never happen. Right. And yeah. I mean, Sarah and Abraham, um, 
you know what I mean? So like, yeah, just having those those people, those friends, connect group, church, yeah, that can go. This is what God's promised you, and this is what you need to hold to in that. Um, I know it sucks right now, but yeah, keep at it. Yeah, I, I think my advice would be in this season, really asking God to quickly turn you into the person He wants you to be. Like mm-hmm. in this, not in sense Him being quick, but us being quick in cooperation to say, mm-hmm. yeah. God, I want to cooperate fully in this process. Yeah. I, there's a pastor that was influential in my life years ago um, that he he was a um, uh, he is a national pastor in the sense of like a, a no name. And I remember him teaching a, a message where he said um, there are just he used it as uh, he used the imagery of like the seasons of the year. And he said there are spiritual seasons. So he used winter as like those tough seasons. Mm-hmm. He goes, here's what I've learned with God is the quicker I learn whatever he's trying to teach me, the quicker I can get out of that season. <laughs> and and, and I, 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 that always kind of registered with me mm-hmm. where he's like, God's not trying to discipline beyond once you learn the truth, God's not going to just continue to discipline for the sake of discipline. Right, right. So like if if we cooperate in the process, he's like, more often than not, he can guide us through that quicker. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that the same pastor said is he was looking back, he goes, I thank God that God allowed me to make small and big mistakes on small stages mm-hmm. so that later on when he was going to give me big stages, I mm-hmm. had the character developed. And I remember like how much that resonated with me. And I would say that for all of us, if we're looking toward the future of what we think God's calling us to, we want to become those people of character mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Like I think about s- single people. I, there was years ago, there was a, a single man that I was talking with, and basically he wasn't really honoring God in his single life um, through pornography and, and other areas. And But he kept saying, like, I, I desire a godly wife, I desire a godly wife. And I remember saying to him, do you think a loving father would give his daughter to you in the current condition of how you're acting. And it was really a sobering conversation. And he goes, no, probably not. And I go, no. I go, so right now, become the husband Mm -hmm. that you think God's calling you to be in the future Mm -hmm. so that you can get out of this season so that when he gives you a godly wife, you're already that person of character, like a a purity and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think I would encourage all of us in every season we don't know what God is doing, but if we're in a season of waiting, we know God's going to use it redemptively. Right. So like mm-hmm. even Hebrews 12 says, endure hardship as discipline. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying all hardship is discipline, right, right. but his perspective is just view it that way of, God, what are you trying to train me in? What are you trying to teach me? In? What are you trying to correct me in? Right. I want to cooperate so that I can become mm-hmm. this person that you're molding me into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the good news is God is working on us. Mm-hmm. The tough news to cooperate is, I mean, the, to understand is he's, like you said earlier, he's always working on us. Yeah, and it yeah. will be that until eternity. And I'm not even convinced eternity, we won't still be getting work done. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know, but it, but it'll be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not going to be tears in heaven, so right. no stress. So anything else you guys want to leave? Any nuggets of truth? Uh, no, just to, I think to tack on that, even the word of discipline, I, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, the John 15, um, where, where Jesus is talking about producing fruit and, and talks about the concept of pruning. And, you know, um, many pastors have said it before, but just that concept that, that pruning isn't always easy and that it is painful. But again, trust the process. Yeah. Don't waste the waiting, realizing that God is doing something in you to produce more fruit. And as you said earlier, that it's not just about what you're going to be doing um, or, or where you're going to arrive, but it's about who you're becoming. And God yeah, is concerned yeah. with that, and He's using that process um, to make you more like Himself. Yeah, yeah. And then Romans eight twenty eight, He uses all of it—the mm-hmm. pain, the waiting, the heartbreak, the yeah. good, the bad—all of it is redeemable by God to to make us into those people that yeah. He wants us to be. And so, 
viewing life through this is all this is all for the sake of making me more like Christ. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Anthony. And thank you for joining us. And we pray that this is a blessing to you. And if it is, share it with family and friends and all of you. Just to know this, we love you. We're praying for you. And we hope to see you on Sunday. God bless. <laughs>